0: Seeing a lead as an Asian American is yes. just so life giving, and I yes. love that my daughter can I can watch that with her, and yep. it normalizes. It's like right. it's, there's no kung fu, there's no, yeah. you know, there's no mathathon or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Hello, and welcome to Someday Is Here, a podcast for Asian American Pacific Islander women on our ethnic journey and leadership. I am your host, Vivian Mabuni, and we are so glad you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Someday Is Here. Uh, I'm just so excited for you to hear today's episode. My guest, Laura Izumikawa, is probably um, familiar to many of you. Um, My goodness, she has 592,000 followers on Instagram, and Laura is most known for creating these hilarious uh, photos of her baby. Um, Well, her baby is no longer a baby anymore, but when Joey, her daughter, her oldest daughter, was um, little and napping, she would dress her up she was such a heavy sleeper so there's these hilarious photos of joey dressed up in pop culture figures um, and just it's just so creative it's just such a blend of laura's gifts and gifting as a professional photographer and videographer and just she's just a, a delight but what i loved about our interview was just how down to earth laura is And sometimes, you know, these Instagram accounts just never know the story or the person behind it. And I was just so encouraged talking with Laura and hearing her story and learning new things about her. I didn't know that she is mixed race. She is... You know half Korean and a quarter Japanese and a quarter Chinese and it was so great to hear how she um, celebrates all parts of her ethnic heritage. Um, I just am so excited for you to hear um, just the woman who does such a great job in the midst of a lot of public attention um, that she's able to create a real positive space. Uh, Within this area of social media. So enjoy this week's conversation. Okay, welcome to Someday is Here. And I am just blown away at how. How great an opportunity today is because my guest, all of you know, I know all of most all of you know already, Laura Izumikawa. Did I pronounce it correctly? Okay, you did. <laughs> I did. Okay, also known as Nap Times with Joey. So I just keep referring to her as Nap Times with Joey, even though she's Laura. So Laura, it is great to meet you. Thank you for being on the podcast. I'm so grateful you said yes. Oh,
1: Vivian, I am flattered and honored to be here, and I'm so excited to get to know you better and, um, yeah, be on this uh, podcast with you. And hello, everyone listening. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Yay. Well, I feel like, um, you, so <laughs> it's so fun to know of you, but now to be able to actually have a conversation with you is just so fun because I get glimpses of your heart, Your uh, you tell such beautiful stories through the medium of photography and video and obviously just your love for your kids. But I would love for you to be able to share with our listeners some of your backstory, like where did you grow up and tell us your ethnic journey and all of that. So just go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, without sounding too long-winded,
1: I was born in Tokyo, uh, Japan, and we immigrated here when I was about three to California. Been living here ever since, um, and I just kind of grew up in different neighborhoods of Southern California, and um, I think being half Korean, a quarter Chinese, and a quarter Japanese, has added a lot to my upbringing and um, how my parents raised us and tried to embody all of the cultures um, in the way they parent, in the way they influenced us. And so we, my sister and I grew up pretty confident about our Asian heritage, I think, even though uh, we grew up uh, with a lot of Mm non-Asians. Um, but there was a point where it started getting difficult. Um, and we can talk about that more later. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we are California raised. Um, my sister was born here. She's five years younger than I am. And yeah, I just, I don't know how I went through life. I think I was just in this like daydream, just reading books and imagining things. I was I was more creatively inclined, I, I think, mm-hmm. and so uh, I fell upon photography. And it took me going to law school <laughs> for me to realize that about myself. Mm-hmm. And um, so I quit law school after a year. Returned to Los Angeles, and I worked for. Uh, a photographer who did celebrity portraiture, um, worked for free (laughs) Um, (laughs) behind the scenes and learned so much for a year. And that was probably the hardest year uh, that had faced up up till then because he was such a difficult man to work for. Um, Gordon Ramsay is like an angel compared to him. Like, he was <laughs> okay. really tough. Wow. Can, yeah, i give you a, a picture. Um, but I learned a lot and I stuck through it. And um, at that point, I didn't really have a community because I had spent uh, so many years in Michigan where I did my undergrad mm. and law school. And so when I came back, I kind of had to start over with building the community. And I was in my early 20s at that point. And um, that's when I met my husband, Alan, at church. And we met at our small group. I was not interested in dating anyone. I was 24 years old and um, he was very direct with his feelings to me and (laughs) it caught me off guard. I had never encountered anyone so direct and um, I really appreciated it. And so Mm. we started dating and... Then we got married and then we had kids. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and during that time, I grew my business into a lifestyle photography business. So I shot mostly weddings, um, photography editorials, um, you name it. I would just figure it out, how to shoot it, and I'll do it for you. Um, I was always into film uh You know, uh, I was always writing stories since I was a kid and study film in undergrad. So my secret dream, it still is, is to produce and write movies and shows Mm -hmm. that just, I don't know, I I, I have a lot of ideas. Um, And so it's all put on hold because I have these two gorgeous babies (laughs) that are taking up (laughs) my time. Uh, I love them so much. So yeah, that, that happened. And then, um, well, I'll go back. So when I first had my, uh, my first pregnancy with, with Joey, um, I had to put my career on hold. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wasn't accepting any more weddings and any more shoots. And I decided, um, to just focus on, um, my spiritual life. And so I was, attending as many, uh, seminars, um, prayer meetings, just, um, just being very, um, connected with God. And it was such an amazing time. Um, I remember saying yes to everything that God was, you know, just throwing out my way. And in it, and through that, it, it, I grew to love this child inside me, like nothing else. And I saw the love of God and through that experience, um, with her, uh, inside me. And so when she came to this world, um, I, it changed my life and I couldn't stop staring at her. I couldn't sleep, uh, because I was just so enamored by her. And at that time, my parents were going through a really hard time financially And, um, it was, it was just a really hard time for them. And I remember sending them pictures of her sleeping and, Mm. um, trying to do funny things with her dressed up while she was sleeping and they loved it. So, (laughs) um, I started posting it on Instagram and, you know, at that point, my Instagram was just a portfolio for my clients for photography, you know? Mm. And so I, you know, I didn't know if suddenly posting pictures of my sleeping baby um, would be okay. Um, But I did it anyway with um, the encouragement of my friends. And somehow uh, people started sharing it um, and then it took off. And then it (laughs) turned into a book deal. Um, it, It just all came to us. We didn't look for it or find it or know anything about it. Hmm. Um, at at one point I kind of wanted to shut it all down because it was so overwhelming. We Hmm. had literally the whole world, uh, writing about us, trying to call us, trying to find our old colleagues, um, through LinkedIn and, and Facebook and calling them for an exclusive. Um, we had every news outlet that you could think of name of that did an article on us, tried to reach us over the phone and in person. Mm. So it was a really scary time because I felt like the world was watching us. Mm. And being a first-time parent, I think that was even more overwhelming. And long story short, we grew a thicker skin over time and it's Mm. been almost four years now. And we have... uh, such an amazing um, group of people who follow us with our in our, in our journey and just have been angels and um, we're just we're so honored that God could use this platform for good and mm-hmm. it's not about us it's not about me and my words and my photos it's um, somehow God is using this to do something greater than I could ever imagine. Hmm. So um, we're just saying, okay, let's do this. Let's see where it goes. Um, Mm -hmm. And let's be humble and thankful along the way Mm. and be vulnerable and, you know, use social media in a positive light because it Mm -hmm. does have a lot of negative um, um, connotations to it. A lot of um, things can... A lot of people can view it, you know, negatively. I guess, mm-hmm. but um, I believe that it can bring the world together. It can encourage people, lift each other up, and so that's what my family and I are trying to commit to. So yeah, that's, that's where we are now.
0: I love it. I love that. I mean, you've you've put into you know, a chunk of time, a whole lifetime. (laughs) So it's like... I'm sorry, sorry. I don't know if that was... No, this is great. This is so great. So I'm going to go back and then kind of re-highlight up some of the other parts that you brought in. But so so you are half Japanese. So which parent is what? I'm actually half Korean. So... Okay, okay, half Korean. Okay, so...
1: I'm half Korean. So that comes from my mother who is full Korean. Okay. My father is half Japanese, Japanese half, half Chinese. Chinese
0: yeah. Okay. And so growing up, so it so did they meet in Japan? No, they met in Korea.
1: My father, even though he's not Korean by blood, he was born and raised in Korea. His, okay. Yeah, his mother. Um, it's such a romantic story. She came. She met a Korean man. <laughs> In Japan, I think it was in Japan and they met and they fell in love, but he had to go back. She went to go find him years later in um, in Korea. She went all the way to Korea by herself. Um, couldn't find him Um And I think maybe she found him later, but he was already married. Um, Mm. It's such a tragic story. It's like a Korean
0: soap (laughs) opera. It's such a
1: (laughs) Korean drama. Um, Yes. And actually someone that she uh, took care of um, when she owned a restaurant in Korea uh, became a filmmaker. And he had approached her later in life to make a movie out of her life, but that never happened. Mm. she, she, She has an amazing story about immigration and... Mm. Um, cross-cultural you know relationships she met my yeah my grandpa who's Chinese and they started Mm -hmm. a Chinese
0: restaurant in Korea and um, yeah. Wow did you grow up speaking Korean or speaking Japanese or what did you speak at home? Um, I think initially we spoke Japanese Japanese
1: because we were in Japan um, but my mother's Korean so it's it's my mother's tongue so mm. uh, we always spoke Korean and because my father is fluent in Korean as well mm. uh, that was sort of the first language in our house
0: yeah and do you do you speak currently speak Korean then to your to your parents and
1: I do, yes, but I'm trying to speak English more because they keep telling me to speak English more to them now that they've been in this country for more than 30-some right. years.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. And and so I, was it was there tension being Korean in Japan? Like, I know that historically there's been tension all those years. I mean, what was that like? I, did you... I mean, I think as a three-year-old, obviously, you wouldn't remember so much. But was that ever something you were cognizant of in Japan? Do you mean, mm-hmm. or even just uh, your your parents coming together? You know.
1: Oh, um, my parents knew each other since they were younger, and mm-hmm. so I think there wasn't much we um, call it backlash when they decided to date because uh, mm-hmm. he had my father had always been a family friend okay and so we grew up not feeling racial tension at all we didn't Mm -hmm. see that until I was about in high school you know when I entered high school when I met other Asians that started bullying me for being Japanese and they were mostly Korean Mm -hmm. Korean people that were doing that Um, because there is you know that that tension because of the war and what, um, you know, they went through and, and it's perfectly legitimate, but it, it, I, it, it caught me off guard because I had no idea. Cause we were raised, uh, to love all of our cultures equally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I think I was just kind of living in ignorance at that point, um, of how other people felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was both enlightening and, um, heartbreaking at the same time.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, was that, would you consider that, that you kind of alluded to in the future, like that was kind of a painful time, like what was going on and, and how did you manage that? How did you navigate what was happening with the bullying? I think I, I'm not
1: sure how I managed through. Um, it was always moments in life, odd conversations, um, that would throw me off, but I would sort of think that, oh, it's just their personality. They're just being jerks. But when it started getting consistent and I started realizing it was because I was Japanese, that's when I realized this, this could be racism too. And mm-hmm. that's when I started asking my parents um, and they were so quick to cover me um, and mm-hmm. protect me. So um, I always had them with me through that experience but I think I also kept a lot of it inside like I didn't tell them a lot of what happened just for their sake hmm. and what kind yeah, of things it was, would be said to you um oh gosh yeah uh, it's a lot I think Go going to a Christian church that was like a Korean church mm. where everyone's Korean, um, they see my last name. We had to change our last name actually to fit in to the Korean church. So mm. my, my Chinese last name is Huang, but mm-hmm. it's also a Korean last name. And so we adopted that name just for church mm. because to have our Japanese last name, um, it, it just... I don't know why my parents re, uh, decided on that, but it was, it was probably more for convenience sake, and they just didn't want to have the conversation of like, mm. oh, you know, we're actually Japanese, too. Um, but I think it did indirectly make me feel like I had to reject my Japanese heritage mm. within my Korean community, and so I always felt like I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't say what my first given name which uh, was, which is Hiromi. It's not mm. Laura. Mm-hmm. Um and that, that, is, that is also a different story as well. Uh, I begged my parents to change my name from Hiromi to Laura because I got bullied so much for being called Hiromi. Mm. And yeah, and then some of the... I, I could write a book about the stuff that I had to go through um, with the bullying. But um, the one that is probably the biggest painful thing is growing up in a predominantly white uh, Caucasian school and having like be the only pretty much one of maybe two or three uh, or four Asian girls in the whole school. Mm. And I was the only Korean. Um, I was only Korean and the only Japanese girl. And the ones that picked on me were the Koreans, the Mm -hmm. Korean guys, uh, because there were several Korean guys. And they, every time the bus picked me up, they would chant names at me, racial names, and they would start it all. And then they got the Caucasian students to get involved and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, yelling at me in the hallway, um, calling me, you know, like words in Korean that, uh, are not very appropriate to say. Um, yeah, just, uh, it was really painful because I felt completely rejected by my Korean community Mm -hmm. when I loved them so much. And I, I didn't understand why. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so I hated my last name for the longest time Mm -hmm. and, uh, because they would, just call me names um, based off of what it sounded like to them. Um, um, yeah. So it was really hard and I really hated my <laughs> high school experience because of it. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. And just, I think a lot in general too, like our, we always had a senior play that, you know, every year that we would throw and I had always thought i'd be in some sort of like performance capacity like theater or directing or producing or something mm-hmm. and i couldn't wait to audition and they had picked a, a play about Norwe, a white norwegian family oh, and God. there was no room for anyone else mm. even though there were so many of us minorities that wanted to be part of it and Mm. no one said anything. And so I did, I Mm -hmm. said, I went to the play director and I said, Hey, and she was a teacher. And I was like, Hey, I feel like there should be um, other options in terms of like the play subject. Um, Mm -hmm. So some of us who would like to audition um, could have a chance. Yeah. (laughs) And there was a lot of fuss made about that and they wrote me a role and it was two lines and I was called the mistress and I felt completely embarrassed. I didn't Mm. even invite my parents or my, Mm -hmm. my other friends to come, you know, and watch. I felt so, um, disappointed, I think Mm -hmm. overall. And, and so, you know, Watching Sandra Owen awards Mm -hmm. and you know for me that is huge for Mm -hmm. representation. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it
0: it, it's a lot.
1: It is. (laughs) I could go more into detail, but I will save you the the rest.
0: I so appreciate you sharing that, and my heart just goes out to you. I have a daughter who is would probably the age that you were when you were going through all of that, and I just think um, the the mama bear in me, you know, just wants to go beat everybody up right now. Like, this is not okay. You know, it's just like, this is just, there's no, and yet, um, I, I, think that those, those wounds, they really do shape us. And, um, I, I see that there are places where there can be forgiveness and redemption. And, um, and I, I think as I'm listening to your story, realizing, um, your love for your daughter and recognizing what you've walked out of and wanting to make sure that she's going to be okay. And, um, and that she hopefully is growing up in a different world where there are representatives representation matters. And even the, um, the focus on your work, having, you know, global impact is really changing the narrative of how people see asian americans asian american women asian american moms you know what we're capable of what we can do um all of that really matters um i I, so I, i i'm feeling so many multiple emotions right now like my heart going out to teenage laura and then the um how proud i am that you are here now and you know just and and um Taking this this space and place that God's allowed in your life and wanting to have that be a place of um, flourishing and blessing to others and changing um, what so many have, um, I, I think, villainized or even like I i mean I just think this is the that you would be written into a Norwegian play as a mistress which just again plays into this exotic Asian I mean the stereotypes of we're either these um shrill you know tiger mom type um exotic temptress um or complete sidekick you know like just I I for me, like watching, you know, a movie like Crazy Rich Asians, or for all the boys I loved before, to all the boys I loved, before, seeing a lead as an Asian American is yes. just so life giving, and I yes. love that my daughter can I can watch that with her, and yep. it normalizes. It's like right. it's, there's no kung fu, there's no yeah. you know, there's no mathathon or whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my goodness! So yeah. So my heart goes out to you. I appreciate you sharing that. This week's Did You Know is Asian American, who started it? Did you know that the term Asian American was originally coined in the 1960s? It was created by activist and historian Yuji Ichioka as a political term to unify Asian American communities. The Asian American movement was largely inspired by the civil rights movement, and scholars have since then argued the pros and the cons of maintaining the term Asian Asian American as a pan-ethnic term, meaning it encompasses many Asian American identities. A limit of this term is that its broadness ignores the unique stories and struggles of specific Asian American communities. For example, the Japanese-American story and the Indian-American story, while there may be similar themes that come up, are very different. It also ignores issues of colorism that are still prevalent within Asian-American communities, and it paints a monolithic story of each unique identity. So, for example, the Japanese kibai story is much different than those who are nisei, and nisei is Japanese fruit second so the kibai japanese americans while technically also second generation were born in the united states but sent back to japan for reasons such as schooling or war the nisei are the second generation japanese americans most closely associated with the japanese american incarceration camps of world war ii One of the pros to the term Asian American is that it creates a sense of unity within differences and similarities. And this is the reason why I choose to identify myself as an Asian American. Um, There's a sense of common ground and solidarity with one another in times of distress. And especially now with COVID-19, this term has been useful for really coming together against hate crimes and readdressing common themes and sources of discrimination and racism. So that is this week's Did You Know? I can just sense even from the conversation we've had so far that you really did grow up with a real um, you know, celebration of multi- Asian culture. And so I would love to hear like, what are the parts of your Asian heritage that you're proud of that you want to continue to celebrate? What are some of those things in your life? I think,
1: you know, being an Asian American, it's not just the Asian culture, it's the American culture. It's the rich culture that I've grown up with. And I'm not talking about like white America. I'm talking about all the different immigrants from all over the world Mm -hmm. that have come to this this country and have shaped who I am. But specifically with my Japanese, Chinese, and Korean heritage, my parents were so good about showing us the world. Um, So they encouraged us to meet our family members in Korea, my grandmother who lived in Japan, we went to visit her as often as we could. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you travel to different nations, you you taste their food, you smell the atmosphere, you see the people and you hear the languages. And, and so going to Japan and, you know, Japan, it just smells different. It's mm-hmm. it, it, the food is just mm, so good. And so good. Yes. Like my my grandmother lived in a middle of a bunch of rice paddies. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, the animation by Miyazaki. Um, mm. Tonari no Totoro. It's Totoro. Yes, um, yes. yes. That, is, that is where she lived. And so wow. we grew up like those little kids, just running around, uh, climbing trees in Japan. And it, it was just... So fun. It's so different from what we knew of in California. Mm. And then going to Korea to see my mother's side, uh, tasting the delicious foods there and, mm. and um, just being so embraced by their warmth. Um, mm. Korean people, they have this warmth that um, is unexplainable. You just um, feel so loved and accepted when you know, you're in it with them. And, um, Hmm. you know, my family there gave me that. And I think just, um, the Chinese, my Chinese culture was, uh, sort of enhanced by Chinese Mandarin school. Um, we we couldn't really go to China. Yeah. (laughs) We, we, uh, didn't have family there, but Saturdays, uh, we had mandarin school and it was immersed with like cultural experiences as well and so it was it was just such a fun not boring childhood Mm. I have to say and I thought it was the best thing
0: my parents did for me Mm. yeah oh that's so great I love it there's a lot to celebrate and there are so many differences like Asian is not a monolith. And so Korean culture is different than Japanese culture is different than Chinese is different than Hmong is different than Vietnamese is different than on and on Filipino on and on and on. So I love it. I love that. So what are you, so is your husband Japanese or what is his ethnic background? He is full Korean. He's full Korean. Okay. (laughs) So, so is the family, um, like now, like as you're raising your daughters, like what kind of things are you trying to infuse into their upbringing to kind of retain this celebration of heritage?
1: I think I'm trying to mimic what my parents did for me, which Mm -hmm. is, um, I mean, we can't really travel. We haven't been able to travel yet outside the country, but that is the plan and and hope um, to just create opportunities for them to have the questions about their culture, to know why we eat the certain foods that we have at home, how it's different and how special it is. Um, with language, it's been difficult because Joey, our oldest, is almost four. And we've been trying to do a mix of different languages. We tried doing Japanese, Korean, and English. And then it all became this like mumbo-jumbo of languages (laughs) and no one understood her. So we were like, (laughs) this poor girl won't be able to communicate clearly for her own sake. And so at the moment, we are focusing on just English. um, Mm -hmm. And we like to repeat ourselves in korean. So mm. korean is sort of the second language in our in our uh, household right now. And my hope is that we can somehow send them to school or if that's if they want to because i absolutely hated korean school growing up. But <laughs> to learn japanese and chinese um, mm.
0: somehow as well that would be the dream. Wow, i love it. That is that sounds so incredible. Well, okay, now switching gears to this, like, worldwide, <laughs> huge online presence, um, you know, your, your um, partnerships with, you know, Canon, Samsung, all of the, you know, Target, Huggies, you know, Whole Foods, on, on and on. Um, what are some leadership lessons uh, that you kind of live your life by? Uh, would want to impart to your, your kids? Like what are some of the leadership North stars for you? I would say
1: because of my background as a photographer, it's taught me a lot about, um, it's not so much trying to be a leader as much as a supporter. and, Mm. And that sort of turns you naturally into a leader that attracts people to you is learning how to support others and doing more than just enough. And I feel that has always been my work ethic is to give 110%. And when I post any content or I work with a partnership, for me... I, at first, I decide if this is the right partnership. There there are so many partnerships, that opportunities that, that come our way, but I, I just can't because I don't believe in the product or I, I, I don't use it myself. And mm. so with every sponsorship, every partner, every collab, I want to put my all and I want to present the best version of myself mm. um, uh, for them. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's not about the money or the views or the followers. It is putting out content that I'm proud of, that my kids would be proud of to see Mm -hmm. when when they're older. And if it's making a positive difference. Um, And so I would, how do I say this? I think that me focusing on how I can. Support and how I can, um, you know, be a great representation of this brand or um, this partnership. I think that is what makes it successful and that's what attracts people. Mm -hmm. And I think a key is being genuine to being Mm -hmm. not fake and not performance based at all, but just Mm -hmm. off the cuff, being vulnerable. And it's hard to find that. These days, mm. everything's very calculated, and there's marketing strategies and a lot analysis and everything. Mm. But it's uh, what really lasts and is evergreen is genuineness, um, openness, vulnerability, and just being the best you can be. And mm. I found that um, people are oddly attracted to that and want
0: more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, I, I remember um, just, I think there was a post that you had posted a while back, but you had had conflict with your husband and you had written about it. And I found that so, um, well, I think your vulnerability, your willingness to kind of bring people into real life kind of helps to that, it exuded the genuineness that I think is your heart. Like I just appreciated that it wasn't, it wasn't everything was just picture perfect and with the best lighting, you know? So I imagine that would be a tension on one hand because you have an eye for excellence. You have a background in photography. So you don't want to just post, you know, like so-so or meh kind of content. Um, So there's a desire for excellence as an artist, you know, um, an appreciation for the details and all of that, which um, coming from me, what I can appreciate it, but I have no idea what that really means. And so, whenever anything looks good in my life, it's because I have people that are like that in my life. Kenny Wong, for example, is he does all the graphic, helping you know my website and all that awesome. stuff. So he's he's the brains behind that because he's gifted in that way. So how mm-hmm. do you balance the authenticity, genuine piece? along with excellence. And do you, is that a challenge or is that pretty clear for you? How do you discern and Mm. parse that out? You know, it all comes,
1: for me, it all comes down to God. And I see my life as a gift and the desires of my heart to create, Something like art or a thought through a video or a post, um, it comes from me wanting to celebrate what God gave us, and mm. God, and I wouldn't mean us, like uh, I mean on my, my family. And I think it's not hard for me because I see it as um worship to God, I see it as a way for me to point to God and say, Thank you. And so I want to give my best to him. I want to, um, you know, first from a humble uh, foundation, knowing that I can't do this without him and his help, um, but to be okay being vulnerable and just kind of going with him, you know, being led by him and constantly trying to improve, what I can on my end which is practicing mm. photography and and researching and um not being kind of not lazy about it but being the best um in my uh capability and my abilities mm-hmm. um and not being um sorry I might have lost for words right now but <laughs> you're doing great <laughs> you're doing great feeling like I don't want to uh, just put out there something I know I could have done better at, you know? Mm. And and it's not um, like the perfectionism that is in me. I do realize that I suffer from perfectionism that can cripple me at times. But it's also because I want to... Um, I enjoy it so much and I, I pour my heart into everything that I do and I, I create. And so sometimes it does take a long time, um, to put together, but in the end, I am trying to focus on how this is going to bless so many people and, mm-hmm. um, hoping that it will bless people and hoping that God will be pleased too. um, at the end
0: of the day. Mm. That's beautiful. <clears throat> I imagine that with um, a greater platform comes greater responsibility and complexity and um, you know, navigating things that you probably never signed up for. So um, I am grateful for your willingness to, 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 to learn and engage and stay in it even though it'd probably be easy to fold up everything on some days and just go, (laughs) (laughs) bye-bye. See
1: See you never. (laughs) See See
0: you never, totally. (laughs) So, well, I'm going to switch our conversation to our fun topic, which is food. (laughs) I can tell already in this department, but okay, tell me some of your favorite Asian comfort foods.
1: Some, oh my gosh. You should see my Yelp bookmark list. It's insane. <laughs> um, I have to categorize it in different neighborhoods. Um,
0: you are hardcore.
1: <laughs> I would say, you know, my, my husband, Alan, and I were talking about this the other day. What is our absolute favorite food? Because it's been changing because mm-hmm. for a long time, it used to be sushi, like mm-hmm. forever. And now it's become fuck. I can't like I have to have my pho like, <laughs> regularly and it's it's funny because both my kids I think that's their favorite absolute favorite food as wow. well and so that's that's my comfort food it's it's usually always Asian mm-hmm.
0: um yeah it's do you make your own pho or do you go to a place to get really good pho or what it's what we, I'm not even going to try to attempt to make pho at home because
1: <laughs> I just know it won't taste as good. Yes. I think my friends, my friends went to Vietnam and they tried to make pho at my house because I didn't get to go with them because I was giving birth around that time. And they took like five, six hours to
0: make this pho. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to try this. I'm going to just go and support a business. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's like ramen, like the really good ramen. That broth yeah. takes two days or something, you know, to get yeah, all the something. flavor out or something. I would imagine the same with pho, right? Like the i imagine so, uh, yeah. How about you? Oh, gosh. Well, I love pho as well. And um, I... And I don't think I'll ever attempt it either because it's... But I'm a noodle person, so I love ramen. Yes. Like I'm pretty mm-hmm. much down for ramen. I wish that there was a, like a ramen fairy, which I guess is DoorDash now. But back before DoorDash, I always wish for the ramen fairy to just bring me ramen on a rainy day, you know? So it doesn't rain that often oh, in California, yes. but I'm, I love noodles. And I'm, I am, I'm, you know, I'm always down for sushi. Like my favorite place yeah. when we were, we spent two summers in Japan. Um, one summer in Kyoto and one summer in Nagoya. And the the summer we were in Kyoto, we found one of those. Um, it was the first time. They have them here in California now, but there was the conveyor belt sushi. Yes. You know, yeah. In Kyoto. So you just like pull up your chair and then there was like the serve yourself tea like right there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. some sauces, and then the conveyor belt. And I honestly, I would go there twice a week. It was just, and then they count ah, the plates. It was yeah. so amazing. So yeah, so amazing. So yeah, oh, I pretty, miss that. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So now my. I know if we had, if we had the Japanese food here that they have in Japan, I mean that would be hands down my favorite comfort mm-hmm. food. It's just that I can't have it regularly here, if, oh. if any. Yeah, you taste it there. The rice, everything. Oh, uh, it's so good. I was telling my friends, even the Yoshinoya there is different. Like, have you been to the Yoshinoya in Japan? Like, I was blown away.
0: Well, even like the food at 7-Eleven in Japan was amazing. And then at the train station where they would have like the different department stores. And then they'd have Uh. these and oh, oh so, you're making really, me so oh nostalgic so, oh. oh, all the things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay <laughs> okay pretty much we need to go and eat now okay so pretty you much know, this is great well how can how can um listeners connect with you if they don't know your work where can they find you and tell us a little bit about that you
1: can find me uh, on instagram at laura is uh, L-A-U-R-A-I-Z. I'm on Facebook as well, um, but I do mostly Instagram. I'm at uh, laurais.com as well. And I am actually thinking about starting a podcast as well. Um, Yeah. So we'll see about that. This is another thing I have to add to my crazy list of things I have to finish. But yeah, this has been so enlightening and thank
0: you so much for having me on your show. Oh my goodness. I have absolutely loved it. And since we're both in California, I would love to connect up and eat food. Yes, and We got you know. to. We got it. And drink boba and do, do ramen. Oh, yes. and Or we could go to your favorite pho place. I'm down. I am yes, so down. Let's so we we'll do make babe. that happen. So anyway, <laughs> well, thank you, Laura, so much for being on the podcast. I hope you do your podcast. I think it would be awesome. I love that you are out there representing. And um, I love, I think, that your work, you're an Asian American woman, a leader. Your work is excellent. Uh, But it's just normalizing that Asians can do all the things. And I just, I love the future that you're making for this next generation. So thank you for your example and thank you for being on the show.
1: Man, thank you for those high praises. I don't think I deserve those at all, but I thank you so much for doing this and for representing us as well. And I I love, love, being here with you talking about all this. So thank you. And I'll be tuning in to more of your shows.
0: Awesome. Okay. Thanks. Bye, Laura. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Laura. Isn't she so amazing and authentic and real and down to earth and wonderful. Um, I was really struck with the racism that happens between different Asian groups. And I think sometimes uh, we forget that and there's a whole history that goes behind, beyond, one more time. What was, what I was struck with in our conversation was the racism that happens between different Asian groups and how she was bullied uh, and how she was really pushed to really, to fit into her Korean culture with, by uh, by pushing down her Japanese heritage. Uh, let me try that one more time, Erin. Okay. Wasn't that such a wonderful interview with Laura? She is so authentic, and I appreciated her vulnerability, her willingness to share some of the hard struggles. And what really struck me about our conversation is that there was racism that was happening between different Asian groups that... Laura felt pressure to hide the Japanese side of her when she was in a Kore- all-Korean group. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind as we continue um, our journey understanding the AP- AAPI world. Um, I really want to encourage you all to follow Laura on Instagram. Um, pick up her book, Times with Joey. It was published in 2017. It has all these incredible photos of Joey dressed up in all the different costumes, and it's really delightful. Um, take some time to continue to learn about Asian American history and even some of the clashes between different Asian um, groups. And I would just want to encourage you, Continue to uh, love others well and take time to share this podcast with your friends. So thanks for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us this week. As always, we appreciate your feedback and invite you to subscribe, share, rate and review this podcast to help others find this show. The outstanding team that makes Some Days Here possible is composed of an incredible group of men and women. The Sundays Here logo and graphics are designed by Jocelyn Chung. The original music is by Joseph Patrick with Passion Net Production. The show notes and quotes are compiled by Vicki Fan. The sound engineer is Aaron Kretzman. The Did You Know section is researched and written by Elise Izumi. The creative design and website designer is Kenny Wong, and the executive producer is Chantel Reynolds. Have a great week, and we look forward to bringing you another episode of Sunday is Here next week.